Hi, and welcome to another episode of that podcast. I'm Dave. And I'm Bo. And uh, what have you been up to this week, Bo? Uh, this week's been very, very busy. We've, we've finished up some um, last-minute house-moving things. Um, I think this is week start of week three for us, so uh, we're still still doing a little bit of, it, of that. Um, I bought a new vehicle this weekend, uh, which was a lot of fun, and one of the things that we had to do on Monday was bring the vehicle back that we'd been borrowing. So we had a, um, while Luke was at school, Beck and I drove two hours to relative's house to drop off a car and then fill up the van with uh, the remaining stuff that we had stored there. So we now have everything with us that that we plan to, and it's still quite messy, but at least I think we're done with most of the the unloading and, and getting stuff out of storage stuff, which feels really, really good. Ah, cool. Yeah. So are you, are you really well settled in there now, or is it in terms of... Uh your apartment and stuff or it's no it's it's i think we're pretty well settled we're just kind of blown away by how much stuff we have Mm. um you know we we were already like okay well we have everything out that we want out we already have a bunch of boxes why are we going to get another van load of stuff (laughs) what what is all of this stuff that we have and I, i really think it has a lot to do with kind of living a lot lighter uh, for seven months in the UK that when we come back, we're like, man, we have too much stuff. We don't need it all. You know, most of it's been in storage for at least a year. Like, yeah. wh- why do we have it? Why do we need it? So we've, we've been a, a little more uh, aggressive at weeding out the stuff as we've been unpacking. And I think we've already taken like 10 loads, 10 boxes of stuff to uh, charity shops and things like that uh, of stuff. A lot of it was, um, like old old Luke's clothes where we thought it was still going to fit him this year. And we're like, there's no way it's going to fit him anymore. That was stuff that was in boxes before that we're like, yeah, we don't need any of, of his old clothes or his current clothes that were things that he was wearing last fall. Like, yeah, it's, it's just not going to fit him anymore. So it, it's devastating. The kids clothes situation. Like honestly, like yeah. we, we're shipping things off to the charity shops and I'm, I'm looking at things like, She's on. They've only worn that once or twice, and you know, <laughs> yeah. shoes are the worst. The shoes really, really get me because you know, I don't know. It's like yeah. the worst thing is the the more expensive like pairs of shoes and stuff we get them, we try and like get them to look after them, and and that makes it even mm-hmm. worse because like, at least the cheaper ones we they use they tend to get a lot of wear out of those because we you know send them to. And Rome goes to nursery and he's like little Spider-Man trainers he's got, uh, you know, and <laughs> yeah. they, they were several pounds from the a supermarket or something. And so I don't really mind that they get, because they get worn to death and then they get thrown out. It's the, but it's the nice things. We buy some, you know, so they've got a pair of smart shoes for occasions and things mm-hmm. like that. And they just, yeah, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> When we were in the UK, we we got a um, pair of shoes for Luke, and he wore those out in like five months, six months, something like that. So yeah, it is nice when you have when you can actually use up a pair of shoes for a kid. But yeah, like I I think we have like five or six pair over here now, and we're like, what what are we gonna? He's never gonna wear them all. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So yeah, so that was fun. So that was. Um, kind of a fun uh, thing for us because we've been borrowing vehicles since we got back. 
Um, so it's nice to actually have our own vehicle again that, that is ours and we don't have to feel awkward, you know, using relatives vehicles. They've all been super awesome. Uh, you know, we've been swapping out between a, a, a smaller car and a, a van pretty much since we've been back, but it's kind of nice um, to have our own thing now. And then the other thing we did yesterday was um, while Luke was at school, we uh, drove to Milwaukee, which is about an hour and a half drive to get my uh, appointment for global entry. Um, which is a, a travel program that makes it easier for people or makes it quicker and more efficient for people to get in and out of the country. Yep. Um, so we're probably going to do that for the whole family just because, you know, we, we tend to travel a lot. We, we don't have anything planned as a family for the next, you know, six months, but it's good for five years. And the benefits of it are also um, you get the TSA pre-check which means you get to go through the line where you don't have to take off your shoes, at least in the States. You don't have to take off your shoes. You don't have to take out the liquids. You don't have to take out all the iPads and, and uh, laptops and things. So if you're traveling with small children, I don't know, it feels like it takes way too long to <laughs> unpack everything and then repack it again when, when you're going with three people. So, yeah. so that was pretty exciting. Um, the, the appointments scheduled for those were out through mid-January for Milwaukee which is just ridiculous. And um, I decided to, to go check a couple of times a day to see if any appointments came up um, available. And sure enough, one came up, you know, yesterday, which was awesome. So I, I didn't end up having to wait three, three more months for that, which was good because I have four flights coming up and I really wanted to take advantage of that. It's something that I've wanted to do since just before we went to the UK, but I figured it'd be easier to do it once I had a permanent address in the US rather than you know, being in the UK or something like that. So yeah, that, that's that pretty makes exciting. sense. Yeah. I know a lot of people who have that and it works out pretty well. I think the UK has something similar. I think it's like trusted traveler program or something like that. I don't know. I don't really travel enough to No. Mm-hmm. And, and to be honest, most of the time we're going to the EU. So it's a little less stringent in a way. Yeah. You know, I, At least for I, now. <laughs> yeah. Well, for now. Yeah. But even so, I mean, just when I've traveled to America and, the past, the security checks to get on a plane going to America are significantly uh, more strenuous than the ones going anywhere else. Um, or I yeah. thought so, anyway. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, that, just, that was kind of my, my week. Yeah. Well, you, you talked about the car. I don't know if I mentioned it before, but when, when we got the second car again, uh, so I had mm-hmm. my own car, it felt like having been a one car family for so long and you know, Rebecca usually having the car off going to work every day. When we got the second car and I had my own car again, it felt like being 17 when you, you know, when you first learn to drive and first get your, your own, like your first car, cause you could go anywhere whenever you like. Uh, it was cool, but it soon wore off. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my car sits on the drive and is barely used now. So Yeah. So I, I keep thinking that we, we need to eventually be a, a two car family because if Beck's wandering around. Well, there's my phone. This is also something new. I, I got an actual landline, which never rings. <laughs> Come on, phone. Ring or muted. Okay, cool. Yes, yeah, so we could talk about that a little. Oh, come on. Yeah, tell us about your super phone, Bo. Okay, it's got a, it's got a silence button. Apparently, clicking hang up doesn't end it like it does on an iPhone. Um, 
Yeah, so I, I got uh, when I got my internet installed, I actually got a landline installed as well, which probably seems pretty backwards um, for a lot of people, but um, I figure I can use it for forwarding my various different types of phones to an actual landline, so I don't have to always use my phone for everything. More importantly, I, I don't know what my new cell phone number is, and I don't really want to give it out to anybody because it's you know my personal cell phone, so... This way, I'll be able to give a, give out a phone number that is pretty much tied to my desk. That that if people call it whenever, that'll be fine. Um, have you? Do you have a landline? Yeah, I mean, you pretty much have to have one in the UK if you want internet. Have to have one. Yeah, um, it's a lot of people like complain about it, saying because you know I don't use the landline; I only want the internet. But but realistically. Mm-hmm. If you didn't have the landline, then they just increase the price of the internet packages anyway. Uh, our landline is like a fixed fee. Um, it, you know, all local calls are free, and so it, it don't don't really bother me. It just sits there and it, it's there if I need it. Um, so yeah, yeah. yeah I remember th- that was one of the things that was going through the. Um, they were trying to kind of come up with some law or something that they needed to make it easier for people to understand the, the broadband pricing in the UK because it was really misleading where they might have a really low internet price, but their their fixed line price was twice as expensive as their competitors. Or Yeah, they're always doing things like that, and you have to make it clear how the speed expectations and everything like that. Yeah. So... Uh, yeah, we, we are... We're going through our last cleanup of stuff from the UK. We have uh, we had our O2 bill um, was pay monthly, but apparently it was actually uh, on a year contract, which was confusing to me. Um, so we had an ETF that we an early termination fee that we weren't expecting, uh, which is more than the amount of money that we have left in our UK bank. So we need to shut down our UK bank somehow, and we need to pay our final O2 bill. And sitting on live chat with them for an hour reminded me about how much fun it was to deal with <laughs> UK uh, services, whether it be the power services or the phone services or the internet services. So it was a lot of fun. So we, we still have a little bit of UK cleanup work that we still have to do. Yeah. So I've been uh, having a bit of a play around with something I thought was quite cool uh, yesterday and today. What's that? Okay, so the actual thing is, um, I'll also go into a bit of backstory after it. But you know, when you uh, you share a URL on Twitter or Facebook, you can put a, in the markup if there's a an open graph image tag. I think that's what it is. You know that you can. Sh- so the when uh, Twitter fetches the L, it'll put an actual picture in the tweet or. Yep. So, mm-hmm. have you seen the website uh, Nomad List? Nomad List, no. No, Nomad List. It's like um, it's a little startup. Um, it's supposed to be a, sort of like a guide for nomadic people uh, in terms of work, so the best places in the world to live and work. So mm-hmm. it has people, you know, put San Francisco, blah, 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 all sort of rates it on different attributes and things like that, and then there's a little community there and all this kind of stuff. And I just thought uh, one of the things they do is if you sort of link to the San Francisco page, you know, it's going to give you information about what it's like for workers in in San Francisco, they generate that image dynamically. Uses so they actually pay, you know the image actually contains some of the sort of data from the 
website, if that makes sense. So if you link to yeah. the San Francisco page, the image that will get displayed in the Twitter card will have a picture of the Bay Bridge. Bay, is it the Bay? What's Golden Golden Gate Bridge? Yeah, there's Golden Gate Bridge and there's the Bay Bridge. Oh, well, one of the bridges. Uh, the text San Francisco, it'll tell you what the weather's like. It'll tell you how well the broadband or the internet speeds are rated. Uh, it'll tell you the average uh, rent cost in the image. Do you see what I mean? So it's almost like a flare. Yep. Uh, and I just thought it was really cool. Uh, so I've been sort of doing that. I'm trying to do something so that if somebody linked to our uh, London Babysitters page, there'll be a little some sort of background image with uh, the number of babysitters we have uh, for that category, the average uh, hourly rate, uh, the average rating and that kind of thing. And I just thought it looked really cool. It's trying to encourage, it's actually almost encourage people to share it somehow, yeah. maybe, or at least maybe encourage people to retweet it, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, cool. I, uh, I just thought it was really cool. Uh, the way uh, the way he does it is he lays it out uh, in HTML and CSS and then uses uh, Phantom.js to take a screenshot, which is kind mm. of awkward, but it's actually a lot better to sort of set the page with HTML and CSS than it is to try and fiddle with, uh, using, you know, graphics manipulation libraries. You know, yeah. like, so uh, I don't know how how we're going to do it. Yeah, but yeah, it looks cool anyway. Things like that. Yeah, you've got to embed the fonts, haven't you? And or not embed mm-hmm. the fonts. You've got to load the fonts before you put the text on yeah. the image and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought it was really cool anyway. And um, that nomad list. So I, I actually got onto this post via another post, and the post was uh, uh, this chap Peter Levels. I don't know. How, I think he's Dutch. So I don't know if it's Peter or Pieter or something like that. Anyway, he has this. He had a. He did a talk at one of the startup groups in Amsterdam, and he and he he turned the put the transcript up or a rough transcript, and it actually turned out to be a really good blog post to, to me. It was there was loads of information there, and you were able to skim it really well, if that makes sense. Uh, I'll yeah. link it in the show notes because it's, it's it's a good read, and if you, you'd rather not read it, you can watch the video. But he. He was Product Hunt's Maker of the Year. He's made Nomad List and a few other sites, which he's built to a reasonable income. He did 12 startups in 12 months. And he, he did one of those things. And you see people doing this. They're not really startups. Either. They're usually kind of just websites because they never really form yeah. a complete business. But some of them are actually quite good, I thought. And I think one of them actually became Nomad List eventually. So, you know... Did it worked out for him? Uh, mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so I, I just thought it was really cool, and and yeah, I thought I'd mention that's it. Awesome. Yeah, uh, I'd love to read some more about that. If, if you can put that in the show notes, that'd be pretty cool. I will. I'll put it in the show notes. So, did you actually finish your project? No, you it's nearly done. I've, I've, I, I did what he did to start with, and I've just laid it out with HTML and CSS, mm-hmm. uh, but. Somehow, I've, if I was going to carry on the way he's doing it with Phantom, uh, I'm going to have to get an- mm. access to Phantom JS somewhere, which would mean yeah, uh, building new images for our EC2 servers with Phantom JS, so I could shell out or mm-hmm. building a little web service somewhere that'll do the same. 
Uh, mm-hmm. But then you then have got to deploy that somewhere. So I'm a bit like, I did the fun yeah. bit, and now I've got to do the annoying <laughs> waste of time bit. So how, how does that work with your product development cycle? Like if you come up with one of these things that you want to do, how does that work with, with you and the owners of your project? Well, I, I just, there wasn't any discussion yeah. really. I just, I, I saw it and fancy doing it, so I just yeah. did it. <laughs> and nice. I spent about a day and a half on it now in between doing a bunch mm-hmm. of other stuff. So it's not even a day and a half solid. Uh, yeah. It's one of those things where cool. if I'll, I'll try it, see what it looks like, and then we'll put it out there and see if, uh, see what it looks like. And then mm-hmm. cool. if it does require maintenance, which is unlikely that it will, then I could always mm-hmm. consider take getting rid of it then. But uh, for now, there wasn't really any consideration. As long as I'm staying on top of everything else, I can do things like that. So it's kind of cool. Cool. One thing that I, another thing I've been doing, um, I've actually put together a small drip campaign with emails. It's the first real one I've done where I'm specifically putting together a list of emails for, uh, you know, people who aren't actually our members yet. Um, mm-hmm. and that's deployed this week. It's only got four emails in it at the minute. Uh, mm-hmm. but I intend to sort of build it out a little bit and sort of tweak that flow, but uh, it seems to be going out okay. I used MailChimp for it. There are there are quite a lot of sort of um, these things. Um, I mean, you've used, which one did you use? I used ConvertKit. ConvertKit, uh, there's Drip. Um, mm-hmm. There's one that's uh, a, a female uh, first name. I can't remember what it is. But yeah, there's quite a few of them, uh, but MailChimp has sort of a, a small part of its system dedicated to it, and we already use MailChimp for our newsletters anyway, so I thought I'd give it a try, and it seems to work okay. It it does all the basic things easily enough. So Yeah. Um, and these email addresses are coming from... It, it's kind of like... It's, it, it's something I really don't like on websites I visit. They're really annoying, but they are good for marketing, so it's... It's like it's like the it's modern day pop ups basically. Um mm-hmm. so when <laughs> Yeah. When the users sort of hover towards the close tab button or the back button, we pop mm-hmm. up an overlay that just says don't go just yet. <laughs> uh yeah. Drop us leave us your email address and we'll send you uh news guides and discount codes and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So we picked up about seven or eight hundred email addresses from it so far, which is wow. quite good. In in how long? Um, about uh, ten days. So. Wow. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, there's quite a crossover between how many people, because it seems to be quite a a fair bit of people have already registered, having given their email address to that sort of pop up thing, and then before. Mm they actually register with us before we've even sent the first email anyway. So it is actually capturing some false positives in a way. Uh, Hmm. But even so, even at half that number, it's still people that we can market to indefinitely, at least until they unsubscribe. So, Are are you able to do any sort of automation to detect those cases where that email already exists, so take them out of the, the loop? Um, I'm doing it the other way around. So this software is putting those email addresses into a MailChimp list, 
And then I have a cron job that occasionally scans that list, taking out anybody who's already registered, because then they'll go onto our other okay. lists and, you know, the member list. So, but, but effectively, you're able to make sure that those people who do end up with accounts stop getting those emails from the from that. Yes, unless they use campaign. different email addresses, but there's not a lot we can do there. Hmm. Okay, that sounds pretty positive. Yeah, I think so. It'll be interesting to see how 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 well it works going forward. And we've also got cool. um, so as well as the sort of generic uh, capturing an email address of a visitor on our upgrade page, um, we have one. So if they go to the back button or if they go to the close tab, um, it springs up and it basically says, um, we can offer you a discount code. And it doesn't show it there and then, uh, which we're considering we think it should do, but the company have implemented this. It's uh, Cloud IQ, I think it is. They think it works best with email, uh, now, it's our opinion that that probably does work best for e-commerce, but with us, it's a bit different. It's a different um, buying instinct, if you, I think. Um, but but we're going with their way for now, so it pre-populates the form with their email address, and they just have to click uh, submit, and then in a couple of minutes later, they'll get a discount code in the inbox. And the idea is that so that that email then sits in their inbox. If, if they've made a decision not to upgrade at this time right now, hopefully if they hit uh, that button and get the discount code sent to their inbox, then they might come back to it in a few days or a week, whatever. Uh, yeah. It's a bit late, a bit early to see how well that's working, but we'll keep an eye on it. Um, trying to think if there's anything else I've done inter- that's been interesting this week. Uh, we've got a, we're working with another consultant. We've got somebody in to come and um, take a look at our Google AdWords campaigns. Um, we spend thousands of pounds on AdWords. Um, I mean, in it, some of it's very demoralising because because a lot of the the campaign spend is on what we call a, a brand campaign. So despite being top of the search results for childcare.co.uk, we kind of have to bid on those terms. Mm-hmm. And it's also demoralizing for me because we get anywhere between, I'd say about 50 and 200 clicks a day from people who literally click the ad word and then immediately log in. So they've been to our site hundreds of times before, probably, <laughs> and they're still costing us yeah. money. Mm-hmm. Uh, so mm. we've got this chap in to come and he's going to do, he's actually going to rebuild all of our campaigns from scratch. Uh, and he thinks he could probably save us anywhere between 25 and 30%, or 20 and 30% on our bill without affecting our acquisition rates and things like that. So, so that's kind of cool. Cool. Yeah. That's awesome. How, how did that sales pitch go? Like, did, did this person approach you or did you try to find them? Um, he approached me. Um, it was on one of the domain forums I used to go on. Um, Mm -hmm. and he was, I'd got talking to him. He asked me how the uh, TV campaign was going. And I talked about that back and forth. And then he just happened to mention um, 
that he was looking for AdWords consulting. And uh, I think, I mean, I certainly said that the CEO usually takes care of our campaigns and he's been doing it yeah. for quite a while. I don't know how comfortable he is doing it. But um, so I, I told him, why don't you just drop him an email and see? And uh, about a week later, he's coming to work with us. I think we've agreed a contract for the 40 days to start with to build out this initial campaign like from scratch. And then I'm sure there'll be mm-hmm. some ongoing consultancy in terms of maintaining the campaign and tweaking things and so on and so mm-hmm. forth. So, so yeah, it was just one of those things in the right place at the right time. Or well, he was, anyway. He's got a nice consulting gig out mm-hmm. of it. Hopefully it'll work out nicely yeah. for us as well. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Uh, get a first-hand story like that. Because I know we, we've both read books and accounts on how people build consulting businesses out of things. And that just sounds like a, a, a really well-done intro for this person to find some other thing to engage someone on and then ultimately end up getting a potential contracting discussion out of it. And yeah, Um, that sounds pretty awesome. And to be fair to him in the email exchanges back and forth about sort of initially we sort of, uh, we invited him into our AdWords account so he could have a look basically and have a look around and see what was happening now. And Mm -hmm. he initially planned for like an hour to, to have a look around and he said he nearly spent the whole day on it he got that sort of uh engrossed in it and he gave us this great sort of yeah. report that was to be fair to him it's probably something a bunch of stuff on there that would have been actionable for us just to you know take away for nothing from him uh but he, mm-hmm. he impressed so um it, it felt it it didn't feel like it was a risk at all to engage with him mm-hmm you know, for him to rebuild this campaign. And, um, I mean, realistically, if we can achieve it, if he can achieve even um, a tenth of the savings he thinks he can, we'll still be a reasonable return on investment. So mm-hmm. seems like a no-brainer really for us. So I'm quite excited about yeah, that. I'm, awesome. I'm going to try and work with him fairly closely to see if I can learn the ropes a little bit because... I know the basics of that stuff, but these people really, you know, they, they've they tuned some massive campaigns for people, so it'd be quite interesting. Yeah. Cool. How are your two work gigs going? Uh, the two work gigs are going great. Um, previously, I'd been working more on um, uh, the one project, and then this last five days, five working days has been more focused on Sensio Labs. Um, that's been a lot of fun. Um, the We recently uh, helped out a company who is trying to launch a, a fairly big website, and I probably can't talk about details too much, um, but they were having some issues with some performance and scaling stuff. So, um, for example, uh, the category page was taking 12 seconds to load, which is really not acceptable mm-hmm. by any by any measurable anything uh, and we were able to get it down to about two seconds to load the category page which in my mind it's still too too long that's too long for uh e-commerce page to load um but we were able to find a, a problem in magento magento's core and that got fixed and brought it back down so i think there was one query or one operation that was taking 
one second to load just that one bit. And um, that the category page had seven calls to this function. <laughs> and uh, so yeah, you know, each, each thing takes a second to do. It's going to add up really quickly. So um, they managed to fix the underlying problem with that or the Magento team helped fix the underlying uh, problem with that. And now the, the page is running a lot more quickly. So that, that was pretty nice. I probably spent the last two days uh, kind of just on watch, trying to help them out where we could and just make sure that we're there for, for them if we need it. So uh, it's, it was really cool to see people not, you know, it can be really easy to look at a performance problem and guess at what the problem is going to be and mm. kind of, scratch your head and try this and try that. And then to actually be able to look and say, oh yeah, this specific call is taking a second to load and we're calling it seven times. <laughs> There's it's like so much value in being able to do that. So it's, it's kind of neat to show people this, especially if they've, they've already kind of bought into it and they, they've have it available and they knew it was there, but they weren't yeah, using it. Yeah, you're showing them where. Uh, yeah. And being able to walk them through that and like, oh yeah, well we could use that on all of our sites all the time. <laughs> so, um, so that, that's been a lot of what the last couple of days has been is is looking at that. So we're trying, I'm trying to find out ways with the team to talk to more people, um, you know, existing users, you know, maybe go through some of their accounts and see if they've even done any profiles in the last six months. Mm. Because if they're paying for it and they aren't using it, then we should find out why. Um, because it is a very useful tool. Like anytime I've used it, it's, it's I, I know we talked about it last episode, um, you know, real performance issues, it helps tons to be able to actually look and see where it is. And I, I haven't used the, the local tools, like the so XProf is one of them, right? XHProf, yep. Uh, yeah, XHProf, yeah. Have you used that at all? Yeah, I've used it quite extensively. So. It's, and is it easy to use because it's built into the IDE? Oh, you, but you don't use an IDE, right? No, um, it, it's one of those things where it's fairly easy to use once it's all set up, but if I if I'm right in thinking XHProf, you need the 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 extension building for PHP. Um, you need somewhere for it to store the profiles, and I think it uses Mongo for that. Mm-hmm. So you need Mongo. Um, and okay. then you're usually going to need some sort of way of turning it on and off. Um, which is fairly simple. I think it's probably just a case of putting a couple of hooks in your code somewhere to turn it on and off. But it it, yeah. it was usually the case of um, for me the the pains were in setting it up and installing it, then setting it up so it had somewhere to store the profiles, and also keeping your eye on that because it filled up quite quickly. It can generate a lot of data if you're not watching what you're doing, and then it gets a bit mm-hmm. slower and uh, and fills up disks as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't remember the last does time it, I used um, it though. What kind of visualizer does it use? Like is it an app or how do you visualize the actual profile? There's a website that goes with it. Oh, okay. Okay. So yeah, I mean it's there are other tools that you can use. Um I I really should probably pay more attention to that. So um I if if I was going to do anything now I'd just use I'd go and use Blackfire. I don't think I'd even though I'm fairly confident yeah. in my ability it's, to use XHProf, I just yeah. I'd probably go to Blackfire. It is, it, yeah, it's very it's Blackfire is awesome because it's 
just an extension and you don't have to do much to set it up as long as you can get the extension installed. It just works. Uh, all the hosting is taken care of. So, so yeah, definitely it's, it's been, it's been nice seeing that sort of play out and getting more comfortable with what my role is going to be in, in helping companies do this sort of thing. And, um, so it's been, it's been nice. That's been the last, um, uh, last couple of days for me last week, I was focusing more on the other project. We were, um, working on building out the notifications system for the other project. And we took a look at Laravel 5.3's notif- uh, new notification channel thing. Uh, have you seen anything on that at all? Only brief bits. Yeah. Um, it's like a, fir- it's a first class thing in, in Laravel 5.3. I think it came out in 5.3. Um, and the, the project itself is still 5.2. Uh, with 5.3 being a potential upgrade path sooner rather than later, uh, especially if we were going to uh, leverage the notifications. But we ended up not. Um, the notification requirements that this other project has is massive. Like It uh, does a massive amount of SMS notifications. Phone, uh, that will actually do Twilio-based dial-out to give people notifications about things being available that they can answer in you know, phone tree, accept or deny um, things that are being sent to them. Um, so the, the, the notification stuff was way more fine. It needed, it needed to be more, uh, specific to this application. So, um, I've been working with Jonathan Rennick on that and came up with, uh, almost a clone, but modified specifically for, for our purposes. Um, so So that's what I was at. I've, that, that? That's what I was talking about last week. So you want to generate that code yeah. from the framework and then make it specific to your application without having yeah, to worry exactly. about code reuse and you know open-close yeah. principle and all that stuff because you don't care about that. You're not going to share this code stuff again. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, but in, it, yeah, but in this case it was... Yeah, I mean, it, it's similar, but this would be more of a case where not even using the original code as a base would be nice because we, we changed the, the naming oh, yeah. on some things. Um, but yeah, definitely that's, that's something that it's similar to that where we could have just said, here's the email channel, copy that and then tweak it as we needed. But even that they have, they have um, like pluggable backends. Um, so um, there's like a mail trap driver. There's a mail gun driver. There's a, there's like five or six different email drivers which Laravel's implementation, uh, email implementation for their email channel, doesn't have doesn't care about that at all. It's just an SMTP driver. So, um, so the, the, there were a lot of things to keep in keep in mind with it. And it's but that was a lot of fun doing like the design work up front on that. Um, and this week I need to actually implement the rest of it. So I think I did did the email channel. I did one of the drivers for MailTrap so they could at least see that it's working. And then next week, Jonathan's going to take the work that I have done and continue to basically port over all of the existing notifications, like the individual notifications mm. um, to the new system. So it's been, it's been a lot of fun. It's been nice uh, interacting with someone else and actually doing development with, with someone. I've been doing a lot of pair programming with Jonathan, which has been pretty cool. Um, so that's, uh, that's, that's been a lot of, been a lot of fun to work with him. Mm, cool. So, um, anything else you want to talk about? Um, 
No, I'd, I'd, I'd like to mention my mic. <laughs> I, I didn't it. actually get to listen to our last episode yet, but um, I finally took the plunge and bought a new mic for, for podcasting purposes. Um, I think it's it's going to be useful for me too because I'm likely going to be start I'm going to be doing more uh, like video casts and things like that for Sensio Labs and Blackfire and some of those things. So um, having a better mic set up now um, is going to be a, a big help for me. I think hopefully it'll it'll sound better for our listeners too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, you sent me a sample the other day and it definitely sounds better than the the mic you used last time out. So you yeah, mentioned that was just my head, my little yeah yeah. You mentioned uh, video casts. Um, I was thinking about doing some screencasts again. Um, not trying to do anything too sensational, but one thing I'd like to do is start working a little bit more on mockery. Um, it's a bit dead in the water mockery. It's it's super useful. Uh, it's still loads by, used by loads of people, but I kind of just keep it afloat. Any major bugs I fix. Um, I'm just adding support for the new... Uh, PHP 7.1 syntax now. Um, but generally, I don't really do a lot of work to improve it. So I was, I was wondering if I could sort of get myself to commit to doing half an hour a week of something on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I thought it might be a good idea to to record that and put it on the internet just for a bit of accountability and stuff like that. So you might yeah. see that from me in the, the near future. We'll see. <laughs> nice. That sounds good. Yeah. Well, if if you want to do anything with Paracast again, mockery related, I'd be more than happy to to jump in on that with you if you wanted. Yeah, I think again. Or if you just want to do it on your own, that's awesome too. But we still have Paracast out there. <laughs> we do. Yeah, I think we should probably hook up again and do some Paracasts without with smaller ambitions and yeah, more simple things that we can uh, share and just get on with rather than worrying too much about editing. Yeah. You know, large chunks of editing and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. So. Okay, cool. Yeah. Right, we better get going. All right, well, it's a forty minutes. Yeah, I'd like I'd like us to keep it shorter again, like we were earlier in the year. I think that's a good good thing. So, yeah, we're about forty minutes, like you said. So. Cool. All right. Well, thank you, Bob. All right. Well, let's call it a wrap. You've been listening to that podcast with Bo and Dave. You can find Bo on Twitter and Google Plus at Bo Simonson and Dave on Twitter at Dave Development. You can subscribe to this podcast and review it on iTunes. If you'd like to review us but don't feel like we've earned five stars, email us so that we can talk about your issues. You can also subscribe to this podcast with RSS from our website, thatpodcast.io. From our website, you can also sign up for our newsletter to get super secret extra content from Bo and Dave sent directly to your inbox. Like the music? You can thank Gorillo for allowing us to sample the track Dust Kingdom for our intro and outro. You can find Dust Kingdom and other tracks by Grillo at grillo.bandcamp.com, spelled G-R-I-L-L-O.